are starting this brand new series called The High Life and very, very much forward to looking, looking forward to seeing what that's all about. Um, and today, looking at what it means to be the life of the party. So the Mr. Ran on your party pooper guy, ran on your party pooper guy. How many of you guys know somebody like that, you know? Don't you just, I mean, isn't it amazing how certain people can walk into a room and just bring everything down immediately? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it, it's the proverbial wet blanket. It's, it's, it's crazy. And they're usually very critical. They can always see the negative. Sometimes it's the person who walks in and it's always just about them. That can totally rain on a party when somebody's stuck up with just with their, themselves. Sometimes they just don't engage or, or they're just insecure, whatever it is. But there's this whole deal where a very, very cool moment can just be brought down by one person. The rain on your party, Mr. Pooper guy. Here we go. But... On the flip side, we've got the life of the party. Now, how many of you, you would say you're the life of the party? All right, cool. Yeah, there's like three of us. This is going to be a fun day. All right. No, it, it was hilarious too. First service, I go, how many of you would say you're the life of the party? And somebody went like this. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think you understand the definition. <laughs> you need, need a little need a change of your uh, identity there. But the life of the party is the person that when they walk into the room, Everything just comes alive. I mean, they're, they're gregarious, they're fun, they initiate stuff. Lots of times, the life of the party is the one who's the risk taker, the one who will push the boundaries just a little bit and brings energy into the room. I mean, it's a complete different experience having a life of the party person and a party pooper on the other side. Now, in your mind, when you think of Jesus Christ, what is he? Which one is he? to you personally. Because I think when we think about God and when we think about religion and we think about church, but if we think about Jesus Christ, I think, unfortunately, most of us think he's the party pooper. <laughs> he's the one that if we actually get Christ into our life, he's gonna bring a wet blanket on it. He's gonna bring it down. Instead of seeing Christ as the one who's really the life of the party. Now here's the thing that's interesting about Jesus, you guys, is thousands of people followed him. Thousands of people followed Jesus Christ. Now, if that's true, how many people who are party poopers have thousands of people following them? You just don't. I mean, if you're somebody who brings everybody down, thousands of people don't follow that kind of person. No, we want to follow somebody who's alive and who's got life, who's got something that we feel like, man, if I could just be with them, I think I would gain more for my life. And I think that's who Christ was. And the other thing, and we teach about this in one of our values, actually one of our values here at K2, is the fun of enjoying life and each other along the way. I mean, we got tons of values about the, also the freedom of sacrificing and following Christ and growing to be him. But one of the things we want to say is I think there's something to just enjoying him and to be enjoying each other and having fun. And, and partly what we look at is when you look at Jesus Christ, he had a couple other things said about him. People always said that Jesus was the friend of sinners. The friend of sinners. Now, if you had to label someone and you say, this person's a sinner, you know, what would that mean in your own mind eye? But what would have to be true about Christ? He wasn't just called a friend of a sinner. He also was called a glutton and a drunkard. Now, this is the God that we worship. This is the one that we serve with all our heart. And the scriptures come and they say, people called him, a, the religious people, called him a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of sinners. Now, what would have to base level, 
what would have had to at least have been true about Jesus Christ to gain those titles? What's that? He may have parted. But at the base level, he at least was hanging out with these people. He was hanging out with gluttons and drunkards and sinners. And here was the best part, is they wanted to be with him. They wanted to be with him. Now let me ask you a question. Was Jesus Christ ever a glutton? No. Was he ever a drunkard? No. Was he even ever a sinner? No. And yet, the one who never did those things was the one that attracted everybody to be around him. And so, for me, when I think about Jesus Christ, then there was something that he possessed with inside himself. And when we talk about being the life of the party, you guys, I think what we're saying is Jesus said it best. I am the life. I'm it. And I think the reason that everybody loved to be around him, whether you were, well, actually, only the really religious people didn't like to be around him. If everybody else who loved to be around Jesus Christ, I think what was happening is they were seeing something inside of him that every human heart is looking for. And it's what we're calling it in this series is the high life. The high life. Now, is it Miller? You know, does Miller have the high life? If it does, then let's all go. Leave here and just, you know, have a few. <laughs> See if it works. Um, now, in, in actuality, Miller does have a certain type of high life. But what is the high life that we're going to talk about that every human heart is looking for? And I tell you what, man, I think it's fulfillment. I think it's absolute deep, deep satisfaction. I think having the high life means you wake up in the morning and you know that, that you are valuable and that you have purpose and that you have meaning for your life. For some, people, for some of you, it's waking up in the morning and knowing that you have peace in your relationships. And not just peace, but there's like a synergy. It's like you're just clicking. You're clicking with your spouse. You're clicking at work. You're clicking with whatever environment you're with. And then the high life, you guys, I think is just having joy. True, deep happiness. And there's not a person alive that isn't seeking after those things right there. I think partly what it means to be human is that we go after the high life. And we want to figure out what it means to be fulfilled, what it means to have peace and joy, what it means to be in synergy with others and to have purpose and meaning in our life. Every human being spends their whole existence looking for the high life. So how do we do it? Well, the main way we do it is we get money, right? I mean, let's just face it. Because we believe that if we have money, we're going to be able to do a lot of the things that would bring a high life. There's going to be freedom if you have money. I mean, when you can go out and you can purchase things that are fun and you can go to nice places. Um, who's the guy who uh, owns all of Virgin everything? Yeah, Brad. So I was just reading about him just this week. And again, I mean, this guy owns his own island. Is that not fun? I mean, would that not be part of the high life to hop on your own plane and go to your own island, you know? And I guess if you own the whole island, you own everything on the island. Yes, there's something about having stuff that makes life nice. You know, I mean, you actually don't have to buy the no-name brand, you know? And you can buy stuff that actually tastes good. You know, I mean, that's, that's fun. I, I appreciate that. You know, you can buy clothes that fit. It, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's good, I know. But, so part of it is money and pleasure. For some of you, the high life is adventure. 
I mean, you, 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 you just thrive for it. You go for it. When you have experienced something that just brought a thrill to your very being, you go, man, I'm living the high life, taking risks. For some of you in here, it's relationships. You believe if you could find the right person or if you could make this relationship work, then that would bring you the high life. I mean, have you seen new people who are in love? It's like the high life. They believe that this is going to be everything that they're looking for. And then there's this really, really cool group of people that the high life for them is actually going out and making a difference. I, I love that. There's people who just say, you know what? I'm going to wake up in the morning, and I'm going to make this world a better place to live. And when you feel like you've made an impact in the world, it's like, yes. It feels like you've tasted the high life. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought that the pursuit of the high life could be found by pursuing Jesus Christ. <laughs> by really giving your life to Christ. See, now here's my question. Apparently, most of the world doesn't think so. Because if we did, if we thought that Jesus Christ was really the high life, then every church all across the world would be jam-packed with people. But instead, we must think he's a party pooper of some sort. We must think that if I bring Christ into my life, it's not going to be as good as if I keep him out of my life or even as followers of Christ. Much of the time, instead of totally centering your life on Christ, we keep him at the periphery. You know, we come if we need him. You know, we read the Bible if we're struggling. And, then, and yet, if, if Christ really is life, then I just, that's what the series is going to be all about. Let's live the high life that he came to give us. So here's what we're going to do today and then the next three weeks following. We're actually going to go right through uh, one chapter in the book of the Bible. And I would, I would really encourage you um, to read along with us. <clears throat> we're going to go in Ephesians chapter 5, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, we have these right here. Uh, available out in the lobby, and they're free, and you can just grab one if you don't have a Bible. If you, if you uh, have one but you haven't been reading lately, this would be a great time just to grab this and read through it personally for yourself. And I want to encourage you, because if you're looking for the high life, I think this one chapter is going to show us some of the ways that we can find it. And I want to encourage you to read it for yourself, because I mean, Andy and I will share what we need to from up front here. But I'm telling you, God knows who he made you to be. And if you will open this up with him and really read with God, open this up and pray before you read and say, Lord, is there anything you want to show me personally? I believe that God will speak to your very heart about what it means for you to know him and to have the high life. All right? So that's what we're going to do. So before I jump in to the first couple verses here of chapter 5, let's just pray. And let's just ask God, this giver of life, to meet us today. Father, thank you for loving every person that's in this room. And that it is not an accident that they're here today. And I pray that they'd know that and they believe that. And God, I'm gonna ask right now, knowing every heart of every person in this room, that you might speak to them directly. And I pray that you would reveal to them who you are and what you're all about. And I pray you'd reveal to them as well the things they're going after in their own heart, trying to find the high life. And God, we just ask, I really pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, that, and I, that by the time we leave this place, that we would be encouraged and our eyes would be opened to the possibility 
that we really could live the life that we were created to live. So we're looking to you today. We're grateful that you're here and that you're present. We believe that you are. And we're just going to trust you now to make your word alive and real in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as, the, as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So there's your word, straight from God's word to you today. I th- in other words, if God could stand here right now, what he would say to you, he'd say, hey, here's how it works. Imitate me. Imitate me. For you are a dearly loved child. Now, how many parents we got here in this room? Okay, now, very cool. Now, isn't it cool when your parents, when your kids start to imitate you? Okay, maybe it's not so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really true because there's lots of things that we wish our kids definitely wouldn't imitate us on. And we hate, I mean, there's the good and the bad. You know, we see them imitate some things. We're like, yeah. And then we're like, no, you know, let's, uh, that's not such the good one. And, um, and, but it's really fun because there are some other things that uh, kids like to imitate us on. And it was so uh, cool for me recently. Um, we decided to move our kids into uh, the public school right next to our house, which is Uinta, right here in Sugar House. And uh, when we went to meet with the principal and stuff, and we saw the school, just really, really loved her. She seemed like a really neat lady. And so we grabbed our kids, and we picked them up, and we said, hey, you guys. Because um, they're not excited, you know, about switching school and having to meet new friends and all that kind of stuff. And we said, um, but what's really cool is, you guys, anybody know what the mascot is for Uinta? Okay. The unicorns. <laughs> and that, I know, everybody laughs at that. But I got to tell you right now, for my two girls... They love unicorns. And I'm like, this is awesome. We are going to totally score with this. And Mariah even has a uniform outfit, you know, a costume that she wore. She could wear it the first day of school, and then she'd have no friends whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but, but to tell our kids, so I was so excited. So we picked them up, and we were driving back. And I said, hey, you guys, guess what? This new school is called Uinta, and you know how they have mascots? And they're like, yeah, yeah. She was, I go, guess what the mascot is? And they go, the lions. And I go, no, no. And they go, the tigers. No, no. The Pistons, no. <laughs> the Utes, and I'm like, no. And I'm like, man, did I train my kids well. <laughs> Is that awesome? I mean, my kids have never seen the light of day in Detroit, and yet they know the Pistons, the Lions, and the Tigers, and the Utes. All right. So I, I, I was very proud dad in that moment right there. But they do, man. Next thing you know, I mean, our kids, they imitate you. Uh, just this week, I came home from work, and uh, all three of them were playing Hawaii dancer things or something. I don't know. My kids always make up all this stuff. And what they were doing is they were taking blankets, and they were wrapping them all around and making their own dresses. And Caleb had one of these on. And so I came in, and I walked into the kitchen, and as soon as he saw me, he went... And he took it right down to his diaper, and he walked off, and he came back in, and he had shorts and a t-shirt on. He goes, I wear shorts like you, Daddy. <laughs> oh, that's right, boy. No blanket dresses for my kid. But I mean, it, it's just so, it's so, and even this morning, when he got out of bed, the first thing he did, he goes, I wear shorts like you. I mean, there's something about it when you see your kids, and they start to imitate you. And here's the deal, you guys, why do they do that? I'll tell you Why? Because every single day they observe us. And every single day they interact with us. 
And every single day, they receive from us. It's their world. And because it's their world, without even knowing it, in their own unique personalities, they start to take on their parents. And we all know this, the good and the bad. And then God comes to us and he says, here's the deal. I want you to imitate me. Because you're a dearly loved child of mine. And then the question is, though, how do we imitate God? And what's the verse say? If you're going to imitate me, he says, then you walk in love. If you're going to be like me, then you're going to walk in love. You guys, the life of the party is love. I mean, when God said it, he reveals it. He says, the scriptures tell us, God is love. And again, we've, we've said this a few weeks. I remember uh, when Julie Russell, when she was leading worship, she says, human beings can be loving, but God is love. And so if you're going to imitate me, then the way you're going to do that is you're going to walk in love. And so you read the Bible in, in 1 Corinthians. Just last night, I was at a, a couple who were renewing their vows after 10 years of marriage. And they pulled out 1 Corinthians 13, right? Because right before they start to talk about it, they say, Paul says, let me show you the most excellent way. It's love. And when he gets done, he says, there's lots of things. There's faith, there's hope. But you know what the greatest thing is, you guys? The greatest thing is love. You know what the high life is? The high life is love. It really is. And so we go to this, and he, in fact, God tried to tell us this. When somebody came up to Jesus one time, they said, hey, man, I'm, I'm following all these things. What do I got to do? And he said, what's the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love each other. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he says everything from Genesis to Revelation, this whole book the whole law is summed up in this right here. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you guys, what's critical for us to understand, we are searching, every one of you, me included, we are searching for the high life, absolute fulfillment, complete joy, peace that passes understanding, relationships that work. And you know what God says? It's me. It's me. And here's how it works. As a dearly loved child, you love. And so I look at this, you guys, and I think about, and here's the other thing that's interesting, is if you don't do this, if you don't experience this, then what the Bible tells us is no high life. Now, part of you are sitting there right now and you're going, wait a second. I've had some high life. Anybody else had high life outside of God? Oh, come on, you bunch of liars. I've, I mean, I had a lot of fun in my life outside of God. I mean, I mean, there were great experiences. There's people right now who could care less about Jesus Christ, and they're experiencing some really cool high things. But what God is saying is those things, every one of them, can come and go. Every one of them can satisfy for a moment and come around and bite you on the other end in a second. And none of them will completely get to the heart and soul of who you are. That's just me. And he says, if you don't love, then you are what? Anybody know? Nothing. Nothing. Listen, can I, can I just share? 
I was reading, uh, or actually, I was just praying earlier this week. Nothing to do with my message at all. Sitting outside, I love these beautiful mornings, you know, summer mornings, finally warm enough to get out there. And I just started thinking about my own life and kind of confessing to God that I feel like there's way too many times when I enter into a situation and I'm not loving like I need to be. And man, all of a sudden, this passage from, from the Word came to me. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor, and I surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. And I'll just be totally honest with you, I hadn't thought about that for a long time. But I realized that even with today, there's potential in this message today that I could speak to you guys, apparently, based on what the Word of God says, and it would actually sound something like this. And I would give you, and I'd love you, I could tell you that God loves you, and you tell me what you want to think. Did y'all get that? Can I tell you, man, that is really loud back here. <laughs> no wonder they wear earplugs. But I, I just sat there and I realized I can put hours into this message. I could prepare and I could study the word of God and have all knowledge and even speak with tongues of men and angels. And you know what it'll actually do for you? Nothing. If I don't have love in my heart, then all of my effort is like a clanging gong and a cymbal. Can you imagine sitting here for a half hour listening to that? And I just think, you know what? God hit me so hard. It's like, Nelson, you want to live the high life? You're going to get up there and you're going to talk to people about the high life. And if you don't love your wife and your children, if you don't love the waitress at your table, if you don't love your coworkers, if you don't love the people that bug you, then just sit down and shut up because you're like a ganging symbol. And, and all of a sudden, the high life. And I sit there and I thought, come on, you guys, think with me for a minute. How much time and effort do you put into your life and yet have not love? And I just sit there and I go, wow, you know what? Not for me. It was a very sobering morning. And just the realization, but a really great morning. Because I'm telling you right now, I want the high life. I want to give my life to figuring out what it is. And I believe that it's Jesus Christ. And if it's love, then the question for us is, then how do I walk in love? How do I do it? Well, the first thing he says is this. You got to do it as a dearly loved child. Can I share with you, I think right now, one of the greatest problems, the biggest issue probably in all of the world is that we don't really know that we're dearly loved. It's my biggest problem. 
I can, tell, I, can teach about, I can teach you about it. In fact, I'm going to do it for the next 10 minutes. But I can know it here, and I can struggle to believe it here. And if I don't get to the point where I believe that I'm actually dearly loved by God, then it's going to be really hard for me to ever imitate him because he is love. And I need to know the love of God. Now, part of the problem is there's a whole bunch of people in the world today, and I know that some of you are here this morning as well. And, and, and here's the issue, is you've never actually tasted what it's like to be a dearly loved child of God. Can, can, I, can I tell you something that you probably aren't going to, many of you might not agree with me on? Did you know that not every person in the world is a child of God? Because I hear that a lot. It's like, well, everyone's God's child. It's like, no, that's not, at least that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, every person on this world is the creation of God. Every one of them. And every person on this planet is dearly loved by God. Because the scripture doesn't say, for God so loved his children that he sent his one and only son. No, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But there's a very critical thing that you need to understand. To become a child of God actually takes an interaction with him. Just like the only way there's a Mariah Lily Nelson and an Ashlyn Dawn Nelson and a Caleb Eric Nelson is because part of me went into Susie and she received me and conceived a new life. And what the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, is this. To all who received him, to receive Christ, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus himself said, don't you know that unless you are born again, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. So, this is actually good news for some of you because you might be sitting there feeling like, man, I have never felt beloved of God. I've never felt like a dearly loved child of God. And partly I might want to say to you today, maybe you never have. Maybe you have yet to taste what it's like to have God, which he says in Romans 5, pour his love, his love, into your hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given you. See, if you've never received Christ, then you've never received the Holy Spirit of God. And it's the Holy Spirit of God that pours his love into your heart. And then 2 Corinthians 5 says, and if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new is come and you're a new creation. And so I'm telling you, partly is when God says, hey, Im be imitators of me as dearly loved children. The first way that you actually begin to walk in love is you receive love. And the way you receive it is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you guys something? You are loved right now, whether you believe it or not. And I know some of you Christians, some of you are followers of Christ, and you're really struggling with this issue. But you know what it's like to love someone and they don't believe it, right? This morning, Caleb wouldn't use pancakes. And Susie looks over and says, Caleb, eat your pancakes. And he wouldn't do it. And so I come, Caleb, Haley, you will eat your pancakes. 
And you listen to your mommy, because if you love her, you will listen to your mommy. And you know what he did? He turned in his chair and he put his pancakes like this, and he goes, I hate this day. <laughs> and I just looked and I went around and I said, no, you don't, but you're going to eat your pancakes. <laughs> and, and here's the deal. See, in that moment, like when you discipline your kids, the last thing they think is that you really love them, right? And you know how many of us with God, we go, I hate this day. I hate this. Because you don't feel like God's loving you. And some of you are children of God right now, and you're really struggling with this whole love thing with God. I want to tell you something here. Here's the deal. I don't, it doesn't matter if you think he loves you or not. He does. I want to tell you one of the best things you can say in your prayer time, and I've said it many times, is I'll finally just confess to God and say, God, I am so grateful right now that, you, that your love for me does not depend on how much I think you do. Does that make any sense? Let me say it to you again. I am so grateful that his love for me does not depend on how much I think he loves me. If it did, he wouldn't love me very much. But he just does. And we have to learn how to be dearly loved children. And so for some of you, you just need to today maybe receive Christ. Receive his forgiveness. Receive what he's done for you. And then for those of you who say, well, I've done that but I still don't feel dearly loved. I, I can join you on that. Then for you and I, what we need to do is we need to keep fighting to what? To believe. You gotta fight the fight of faith. And that means I need to be in here and keep letting his word renew my mind. Because you know what it says? You know how we get transformed? By the renewing of our mind. We need to start to believe things. If you've struggled your whole life to believe that you're loved, then you need to start getting truth into your head that you're loved. Because if I'm loved and he has poured his love into my heart, now I have love to give. Be imitators of me, he says, as dearly loved children. So number one, become a child if you're not. And number two, if you are, come on, don't buy the lies of the enemy. He keeps whispering to you that God's not good and that he doesn't care about you. Don't buy the lies that when things go bad, he doesn't love you. You know, because how does God love us? He leads us, he teaches us, he serves us, he forgives us, he disciplines us, and that's never pleasant, but it's still love, and he comforts us. Okay, you guys, here's the deal. It all starts here. The next three weeks will be really, really hard to go through in what the high life really is if we don't grasp the first one that you're dearly loved. And that's how you walk in love, is you, are, first of all, are loved. In fact, 1 John 4.19 says that. We only love because he first loved us. So if you don't know the love of God, man, keep coming. Find some friends to talk with. Join a small group and start diving into the Bible so you can find out how much he loves you. All right? So how do you walk in love? First thing is a dearly loved child. And the second thing the verse says is you give yourself up. If you really want the high life, which is love, then love is giving yourself up. Look at what it says. Walk in love just as Christ also loved us and he gave himself up for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. You know how you walk in love, you guys? And, here, and again, let me just, because sometimes we talk about this, and I know that if you're a follower of Christ, you're like, man, you know, been in Sunday school, Dave. No, God loves me. You know, tell me something new. You know, give me a little bit deeper here. You know, I, I'm telling you this right now. It's like until 
we finally really understand what it means. I'll just challenge you. Do you love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and all your soul? And if you don't, your religious activity is nothing. He just wants your heart. So he says, hey, if you want the high life, then the way you get the high life is you get my love and you love me back. And it's awesome. Guess what? Everything will work <laughs> if you just get my love and love me. Get my love and love me. Get my love, love everybody else. Get my love and love. And so what did Jesus do? He gave himself up for us, but how did he do it? As a fragrant and sacrificial offering to God. See, if you really want the high life, then what you do is you say, you know what, God? I give up my life. I give up my life. And again, the challenge for all of us in this room right here is have you ever given up your life? Have you actually loved God so much that you said, take all of me. I'm done playing the game. Anybody know David Tyree in here? Oh my gosh. How, how did I plant a church with people who don't know anything about football? I'm just, hey, this is incredible to me. David Tyree, anyway, David Tyree was the guy who caught this incredible pass in the Super Bowl last year. And it was, just, it was an ama maybe the best catch that ever happened. But he's on the front cover of Sporting News Magazine. And you know what he's saying? It was that three years ago, his life was absolutely going down the tubes. He was totally engulfed in drugs and alcohol and sex. He was starting to deal drugs. He'd been arrested, and his life was falling apart. And then finally, one day, he said, he, when he got out of prison, he walked into this church, and he just said, man, God, I need you right now. Help me. And he said what happened was this girl singing in the choir. He said he looked in her eyes, and she was alive. She had life. She had nothing that he, she had everything that he didn't have. She had the high life. And he said it was awful because he sat there and he sobbed for 20 minutes in the service. Just sobbed like a baby. And then in that moment right there, he finally just gave it up. He gave up his life. And he said, Lord, take me. And the girlfriend who had walked through this with years with him is the one who testifies. He is a new creation. He's a new man. Everything changed. And so I want to encourage you, man, if you're looking for the high life and you've been searching all over the place, the one thing you've got to do is you love, you walk in love just like Christ did. And how did Christ do it? He gave his life up. He said, Father, whatever you ask me to do. And you know what the Bible says? Whenever we say yes to God, it's a fragrant offering, which means it's pleasing and it's satisfying to God. And then this love relationship starts to take place. But you guys, here's the other thing, is when you love God, you know how you do it? This is a harder one, is that means we love each other. In fact, the Bible says you can't say you love God and hate your brother. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Because if you love me, you love your brother. What's the greatest command? Love God, love each other. And so that's what Jesus did. He fleshed out his love for God with the sacrifice by loving us. And if you want the high life, if I want the high life, then it means I'm going to say yes to God. And it means that when I walk out of this place today, no matter who I'm with and no matter what opportunity arises for me, I'm going to do what love says to do.
And that's the high life. Now, in closing, here's what's really interesting about this. How do we really know what the high life is? This is when the scripture is so much fun to look at. This is, this is the verse you've been looking at is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Look at what Ephesians 4.32 says. It's the verse right before it. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind, you guys. Be compassionate to each other. Forgive one another, right? Just as in Christ God forgave you. And then the next verse says, and be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in love just as Christ gave himself up for you. You want the high life? You know what the ultimate high would be? Is to actually love like Jesus loved. And what's that like? Look at this verse, Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Okay, so Dave, the high life is God, and God is love. Now, what's love? God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while you were still sinners, he died for you. In other words, I say this all the time, basically what he's saying is, I know right now in this room, some of you could care less about me. Not me, Dave, me, God. I know Jesus would say this to you, and he would say to you, and I love you. I know right now you're living in a way that's completely opposite of what I want you to do. And let me demonstrate how much I love you. While you're doing all that kind of stuff, that's when I die for you. Look at this verse, 1 John 4.10. This is love. Okay, Dave, so the high life is love. Well, what's love? This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Guys, you know what the greatest example of love is? It's undeserved forgiveness. The ultimate love is you're against me, you don't like me, you want to have nothing to do with me, I love you. That is the ultimate high. Can you imagine being that free in your spirit that you could walk into this world and no matter what the world did to you, you could say, doesn't matter, I love you. Oh. You know, instead, we get hurt and we're like, oh. And we hold it in and we get angry and we get bitter and we start to lose our life. And what God wanted to show us right here is, hey, if you want to you really have the high life, then be, imitate me. And this is how you imitate me. You love everybody. Everybody. Now, that doesn't mean you love what they do, right? Because God doesn't love what we do. When we're sinning, you know, because people say, oh, cool, I can just go do whatever I want. No, no, if you're going to do whatever you want, he says, then I'll discipline you. And that's never pleasant at the time, okay? You definitely don't want the discipline of God. He doesn't say it's okay, but if you turn to him, he will forgive you and he will love you. So, Ben, come on up here, and here's what we're going to do, is we're going to end our service with a chance for us to remember how much he loves you. Okay, all of you in this room, every one of you, not a person sitting here. Again, you're loved whether you believe it or not. So for us, our whole challenge is just to appropriate what we believe. How do we do that? I think the same thing our kids start to imitate us. That means we got we to interact with God. We need to receive from God. We need to observe God. We need to get ourselves around the love of God. Because once we get the love of God inside of us, then we can start to imitate it 
and have the life that he has for us. So here's what we're going to do. Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. Anytime you guys remember me, he goes, I want you to remember how much I love you. And so we're going to celebrate communion to end our service today, this party. Because we always say we're going to celebrate communion, and then we go, right? And the, and, the, and the reason we do that is because it's a time to be introspective about your sin and whether there's some stuff in your life that you need to lay before God and to get cleansed of again. But what I want you guys to do today is this. I want you to remember as you sit here today that Jesus already did it. The love for you has already been displayed. And he said, so I want you to remember that. So take my body. This bread is my body. And you remember that I would die for you. And I'd do it right now. I would die for you. That's how much I love you. And then when you hold this cup and it's this juice, it's actually a symbol of my blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. I totally forgive you. So if you are a child of God today, then here's your chance to have a party, to actually celebrate the love of God for you and to remember he died for me and he forgave me of everything. And just celebrate that today. So we're actually going to do this a little bit different. Normally, we're not going to do the introspective songs. We're actually going to celebrate our communion today. So after the uh, uh, greeters come forward, as soon as you get your bread and your juice, you can take it whenever you want. And then just, let's just stand up after you get it and let's give God a good time again. Let's give him a good time to say, thank you for this amazing love. I'm going to love you back. Now, during the third song, we are going to take our offering, okay? And so during that time, if you came prepared to give again, because he's given you so much, you just want to love him back, go for it. If you're just here visiting, don't worry about that moment. But let's enjoy the high life and the one who gives it to us together right now.